You're listening to the Rotten Gems Podcast. The show where four dudes talk about movies we love. That critics thought should be taken off the shelf and be made to sit behind a desk permanently. Now let's get rotten. What do we always say? Let's get rotten. I think I'll be dead. The Rotten Gems. If you're still listening, whether it's on purpose or your dad gave you uh, a phone that you could take as you went and followed a mediocre rock band around Europe, and on that phone, he programmed two things. One, his own phone number, and two, a podcast of every episode, and you look down and you saw that that podcast is Rotten Gems, and that's how you're listening to us. Well, we thank you. Who exactly is we? I'm Keenan. I'm Marcus. I'm John. And I am Brett, and we are your Rotten Gems crew. Guys, today is a special day. We're talking about a movie near and dear to my heart. Uh, we're talking about the lovely 2008 Taken. I don't know if lovely was the right word to use there, so I'm going to take that back. <laughs> we're talking about the uh, incredible 2008 film Taken, starring Liam Neeson, uh, Maggie Grace, and Famke Janssen. Way to miss the the lob for disturbing, by the way. Disturbing? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, John? You're promoted. This is your job. <laughs> the disturbing movie. Can't even turn around to produce and use the soundboard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we're talking about Taken today. Um, didn't do too well with the critics, fellas. Um, but before we get into that, how do you guys feel about the movie personally? How did you feel jumping into this again at the start without having watched it again what were your in- initial thoughts as the credits started rolling um well i i did like it watching it the first time it was a pretty badass movie just kicking ass taking names <laughs> but uh to be honest i wasn't too excited to watch it again because it's been so long but i thought it was pretty good i was so nervous Going back to this movie, because I haven't watched it in forever, I didn't remember anything in this movie except for the one scene, which everybody can quote. Oh, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> meme? Yeah. <laughs> the quote from the movie. Yeah. That's the only scene I remembered, and typically that's not a good sign for a movie <laughs> if I don't remember it. Turns out I just have a really shitty memory. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. John, what about you? Um, going into it, I was excited to watch it because what I remembered of the movie, kind of like what Mark was saying, just badass movie, necks being broken on railings, just doing whatever it needs to do. So those were my initial thoughts coming in. I'm like, I'm excited to see this again. Hell yeah. Now I have to say this movie came out in 2008. I was 16 years old experiencing my first taste of freedom. I had a job I could like. I had a vehicle. I could like be out and do what I wanted. I saw this movie five times in theaters. Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I loved this movie so much. And then I like I bought it on Blu-ray the day it came out, watched it again. I've seen this movie dozens of times, but I haven't watched it again in the last like five years. So I was looking forward to, I guess, reliving the experience here. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so we've already established that we like this movie, but uh, critics critics weren't fans, guys. But just barely, this uh, Taken is is currently sitting at a fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
one more percent and it would be certified fresh, but critics weren't having it. Um, I would like to happily report, though, that critics are uh, only on the one side of the spectrum here because it has an 85% with fans and a 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb out of 592,000 reviews. Half, more than half a million people have reviewed this. That is 7.8 karaoke machines, 7.8 throat punches, or 7.8 seconds of electric current flowing through your body out of 10. Um, so, like you may have noticed here, um, this is a, a podcast where we talk about movies. So, you're welcome to stick around if you haven't seen Taken. But if you haven't, just be aware that you are about to be spoiled on a 2008 movie. But also, uh, wanted to do something a little different here. This is a this is a disturbing and rough movie. So I wanted to give our first ever, I guess, content warning. If you haven't heard of Taken, or maybe you have heard about it and just weren't, uh, re- I guess, wanted to get familiar with what we're looking at here. We are going to be talking a lot about the themes of the movie, which is drugs, kidnapping, and sex trafficking. Trigger warning, yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so just be aware if it's not your thing. If that you're disturbed by that, um, click off. No one's going to be offended here, um, but. Uh, don't you dare fucking use a soundboard, kid. <laughs> if I was in charge of the soundboard, I was going to nope. do it. <laughs> Thank you. That was not the time. Okay, I was like, I swear to God, if he does a soundboard. But yeah. But um, I do feel like we need to use this one just to... Uh, I'm probably going to pepper this in a lot. Can I keep you? No, don't. don't. <laughs> that was way worse than what I wanted you to do. Never do that again. I'm removing that sound from the soundboard. <laughs> Casper. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. But anyway, Taken. Yeah, it's a rough movie. Um, so let's get a quick synopsis to get us back into the plot here. Um, a retired CIA agent travels across Europe and relies on his old skills to save his estranged daughter who has been kidnapped while on a trip to Paris. Uh, short, sweet, to the point. There's a little bit more layers there, but we'll, we'll dive into that. Um, now, normally we... We'll like to read a review, and then we'll revisit it um, at the end of the movie to see if we agree. So keep this in mind, fellas, as we're, as we're talking about the movie here. Um, Peter Travers, you guys know of him? You probably shouldn't because he's a critic. And why would you know the names of critics except for that one that Keenan always <laughs> used to pull? <laughs> what is his name? James? I don't know. Uh, I blocked him from my memory. Well, Peter Travers, he's a, he's a guy who works with the, uh, the Rolling Stone there. And Peter Travers uh, gave it a two out of four, and he said... It's fun for about 15 minutes seeing Neeson do James Bond as Daddy Dangerous. But the surprise wears off quickly. So we'll see if we agree with Peter Travers by the end of this year. I don't like that he called him Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of do. I am indifferent. (laughs) So unless anybody has any further objections, I think it's time we jump into our take on Taken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. All right, so we begin. It's it's the opening scene, and it appears to be some home movies, uh, and it turns out to be Liam Neeson, um, his character, what reliving, dreaming about uh, his daughter, his wife. She's having her fifth birthday. Liam Neeson playing Brian Mills here. Now, what do we think of Liam Neeson, guys? He's a cool dude. Yeah. I, I literally put this very early in my notes. Damn, he's a good actor. Everything he does, I just believe. 
Except for him being an American. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe him being an American, but everything else is pretty cool. You could say that most of his spec ops were probably done overseas, so he probably picked up the accent there. It's just permanently in character. You could, you could say that. Yeah. I just um, did. Okay. So I lived in New York for a while. <laughs> Can't you tell? New York. Um, so one thing I'll say on the topic of Liam Neeson is, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this is kind of Liam Neeson's his niche now, right? 100%. Uh, for the last decade, you just take one Liam Neeson and you can plug him into, I don't know how many different movies or variations of that movie, but he plays this one role and he plays it very well. Taken was actually the first movie uh, where he took on this new role playing, you know, super spy. Uh, originally, though, Liam Neeson, he fully expected this film to bomb. He said he read the script and he thought this was going to be a straight-to-DVD release. Um, but, you know, he signed on because he wanted to give himself an acting challenge and spend four months in Paris and learn karate. And he's like, yeah, you know, this, this will be fun regardless of if the movie flops. Um, so, ironically, not only was the film a massive hit, but it created a new on-screen image for Neeson as an action hero. Well, you know what? I, I kind of understand why he would think that it would flop because this kind of goes back to <laughs> Keenan not being able to remember anything besides like the one line. It's mainly because there's hardly any lines in this yeah. movie. There's very little like dialogue. It's very yeah. simple. On, on paper, yeah. this would definitely be something you'd go, that's probably going to be a shit movie. <laughs> but look how much it's paying. Yeah. He, uh, he let his fist through the talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very Steven Seagal-ish movie. Definitely. Yeah. Def- and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record here. I'm going to make a very hot take. Taken walked so John Wick could run. Just saying. You're talking and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do agree. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it, it makes sense. Like that. That showed that people like this type There's of thing. There's an appetite like for you, it. Yeah. it. You don't need to be super deep. Like just a little bit of hooking people in and breaking some necks. If the Taken movies would have taken off at Taken 2 and Taken 3, Taken 4 would have been about his dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who else can we kill in his family? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I did watch the other ones and not as good for sure, but... Okay, I have to ask a question because I looked at the synopsis for two. It says him and his wife get kidnapped. Do they get back together? I think they do. Um, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I can, so, so those two I've only seen once because just because they weren't they were not good. I've never seen them by the way. Um, I I can't I can't remember the specifics, but yeah. And then I think in I don't know if it's in the second the one or the I don't know if it's the second one or the third one, but the wife gets murdered, like. She, and then it's like him and the daughter are like, like do it together. Tag team to, in it. Yeah. But then they also made a show. <laughs> they made a Taken show. Did you guys know that? Oh, I do well, think. I, I, I found out from Googling where it's streaming. Yeah. I was just like, two seasons, what? I learned that today. <laughs> they made a show. Apparently, like just they just rewound and it's him and his CIA days. It's just like Equalizer 2. That is now it's, a show. So it's on oh, CBS yeah. with Queen Latifah. It probably was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what though? If if they are back together, him and his wife. Well, they're not anymore because she's dead. But <laughs> that's pretty Allegedly. messed up. 
For Stuart. I think something happened to Stuart, too. Yeah. I can't, okay. I can't remember. I think he died. Well, she moved on fast. Do, do we really feel bad for Stuart? I do. Because like, I wanted, so like, he wasn't at a bad the beginning guy. of the movie, I'm like, okay, obviously we want to hate this guy. It's kind of yeah. like that kid from Small Soldiers. <laughs> like, okay, you want to hate this guy because he's not the main guy. Yeah. It's, but it's, I didn't see a motorcycle in sight. Yeah. <laughs> Bot or a horse. Yeah. It, is, it is so funny that you say that because right after this opening scene, Brian goes and he's checking out the karaoke machine for the umpteenth time whenever he finally buys it. He then takes the karaoke machine to his daughter's birthday. We see the mansion. We see, all right, all right, Stuart's loaded. We see the family dynamic. Wife's remarried to this new guy. And I wrote in my notes, Stuart seems nice, but I feel like they want us to hate him here. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that was like my one note is like, am I supposed to not like this Uh guy? But (laughs) all the way through the movie... He seems like he's a just, pretty he's just decent nothing dude. but supportive. You're right. Ex- aside from the, I guess, discovered shady business dealings yeah. he does, but dealing with oligarchs in Russia. But was he? I mean, I thought that was like him questioning. Yeah, like, do you like, have those? No, no, no. no he no, said he does say you. You. He said like I, I wouldn't you, let you be around my yeah, daughter. Your shady I, deal that yeah. fell out with the Russian oil company. Oh. Like he he said it happened. Well, I mean, he's a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> Those are bound it's gonna happen. <laughs> Just, I mean, if you want to make money, you gotta gotta do them. I guess. Anyway, yeah. so do you know how many podcasts we've blown out of the water <laughs> just to get a couple more listens? Zero. But anyway, so we love Stuart. So just let that be known. We love him so far. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. He can buy us horses yeah. too. Uh, he can well, be my daddy. Just, yeah, just <laughs> let us use his jet. That's fine. Car- yeah. Karaoke machine's nice, but how could you not have the reaction that she did when he, you know? Pull out a horse. It's like, thanks, Dad. You know. Oh, and I got one more complaint. <laughs> I did like this movie, but I got a lot of complaints. Uh, Maggie Grace as a seventeen-year-old was very unbelievable. So, what's really funny is there's a few scenes in the movie that she runs, and it's very <laughs> so weird. I, I I learned today that she actually got coaching on how to run like a twelve-year-old. <laughs> like that's not a joke. Your arms when you run. Joke. Yeah. Uh, they did that on purpose to, because, you know, obviously you, you were dealing with trafficking and, like, adult themes here. Not that human trafficking is an adult theme. Like, it's it's just a very harsh reality in the world. But, like, they're going to have her be a victim of trafficking, show her later scenes of that. But they also wanted to, like, hey, this is very much a child. And, yeah. like, we want to give her these childlike mannerisms just to further hit home with this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It was how old it was, was she technically during the filming? I don't know. Because, oh, the actress. <laughs> yeah, this was four years after Lost, right? <laughs> and she was probably in her twenties during yeah. Lost. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure, and definitely did not. And what's funny is uh, Katie Cassidy played Amanda. So in the in the film, uh, Kim was seventeen, Amanda was nineteen, but Maggie Grace is three years older than <laughs> Katie Cassidy in real life. <laughs> So well into her twenties for sure, which is what they usually do. Adult, act. and thankfully, I wouldn't want a child. Yeah, this role. yeah. <laughs> hard, hard movie. We wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. No, you would not be listening to this podcast. But anyway, let's let's push this along. So we uh, we we've seen the the birthday party. Um, Liam Neeson, you know Brian. I'll just call him Brian from here on out. You know Brian gives the karaoke machine. He's outshined by the horse. But uh, he he goes back home and it's 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 dinner time with the boys. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I did not re- remember who the boys were, so I was very surprised to see one of the boys that I recognized was John Grease. 
Was that uh, uh, Uncle Rico? Uh, Uncle Rico, but also Roger Workman from Lost. Oh, yeah, also in Lost. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did they just get the cast from Lost and bring it into this movie? <laughs> Maybe Liam Neeson was a fan. Who isn't? Yeah, true. If you, you aren't, don't you listen don't to this Lost. podcast. Yeah. Well, listen to it, but... Yeah. Don't tell your audience not to listen. <laughs> number one rule of show business. Listen to us and watch Listen lost. to us twice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. If you have a second device, go ahead and put that oh. on playing us while you're listening to us. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so we find out um, just from the boys, you know, coming over for some some grilling time. We find out Brian is retired. Um, so we find out, you know, Kim is 17. Brian gave up a job. Uh, he gave up his life, I guess, to live closer to his daughter. Um, and basically, this dinner, they're just exchanging their war stories. And here, I think we get the opinion that Brian's a pretty good dad. You know, we learned that he abandoned a job at one point to go home because he didn't want to miss Kim's birthday. Um, but he seems like a pretty good father at this that's point. That's debatable. At this point. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to say he wasn't there a lot. We didn't, we didn't know that just yet. Um, but at this point, I'm like, okay, we like this guy. We hate Stuart. That's what the movie is telling us to think, right? <laughs> um, <Yeah>. Fuck Stuart. <laughs> but the boys tell, I'm just going to call them the boys throughout the whole time. The boys tell Brian of a job that they've got coming up. 2,500 bucks for four hours just guarding some, some what's-her-name singer, you know, yeah. you know? Shira, baby, cash cow, yep. cash That's cow. The exact quote. Cash but cow. they just said twenty five hundred dollars four hours. But I was not sure if it was twenty five hundred dollars each or total that they'd split. I was curious about that too. Yeah, I assumed each, but it was never clearly stated. It's if you true. if you've ever done a security job and you are up to date on inflation rates, <laughs> let us know <laughs> in, tw- in two thousand eight. <laughs> Does twenty five hundred dollars split four ways sound reasonable, or is it more twenty five? A person. I don't know. She sold like twenty three million records or something like that. Because if it if it is per person, that's ten grand for one show. That seems like a lot. I don't know. Pennies when you sell that many records. I, I guess that's point. That's Pennies. that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So they're on security detail for Shira. Um. <laughs> they're you know, they are there to transport her to and from the event. Um. You know, Brian hangs back in her dressing room while she's getting ready just to make sure everything's good, and he catches her singing. He says, wow, that sounds lovely. Hey, I know this isn't the right time, but my daughter wants to be a singer. It's not the right time, Brian. <laughs> it's very inappropriate. I actually, I that actually, was the worst timing. <laughs> <laughs> she is on her way out the door. How long have One you been here? One of the worst here? parts of the movie, just right there. I actually <laughs> physically cringed when he, like, stops her when she's about to go do her job, and he's like, hey, me time. <laughs> Just got herself pumped up to go in front of stage, in front of thousands of people. And he's like, hey, this isn't a good time. But let's, let's make this about me. Can uh, you help me with something? Yeah. Uh, I know you <laughs> probably have a show, but I did have a question I wanted to ask you. If you're not in too much of a hurry, so if you could just stick around what for a couple seconds. Think? I just want to ask you. For tips for my daughter. <laughs> and like Stuart, where they make us <laughs> try to hate this guy for doing nothing, she really <laughs> doesn't say anything that mean to him. Yeah. And you're she, supposed to kind of like... I don't know. That was, that yeah. was well, a little... So this, this guy's a little harsh. It could be interpreted a couple ways. Because when you find out why she said that, it makes sense. But 
just on the surface, she said, he says, oh, my daughter wants to be a singer. You have any tips? And she goes, yeah, tell her to pick another career. So that could be like, ha, she's not going to make it. We later find out she meant like, no, this is not as glamorous as it seems. Judging so. by those laughs, though, of her little crew, it was a dig. Yeah. Like she was, she was being kind of scared. We're, we're on to you, yeah. Um, yeah. Pierre <laughs> Morel, director <laughs> of, yeah. of Take I'd be kind of annoyed by the person. They who laughed who. at Liam. <laughs> right. <laughs> then uh, it cuts to, you know, it's it's during the show. Brian gets a call from uh, from Kim during the show. Hey, let's do lunch tomorrow, Dad. Awesome. Um this is great news. He he hasn't been around in Kim's life a lot, it seems, potentially. So lunch is great. Um, but then cuts to after the show and chaos ensues. Somehow some backstage barrier gets knocked over or whatever and fans are just rushing. Zombies. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just some dude waiting there with a <laughs> knife. <laughs> that was weird. Like, was way like, ahead of the barricade. He was waiting there, right? Like, regardless of that assassin. barricade. Though, yeah. My head cannon on that was he actually planned it. That's that what I was thinking, too. He opened the gate <laughs> oh, so okay. that she would have to fall back into his position yeah. and get stabbed. Which this would the second Free time I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the screenwriters probably yeah. agreed with you. It was just funny how they showed it, like the screen breaks and they're running and they show him behind the pillar and he's like, Whoosh! it's like, I got my knife ready. Like just blade <laughs> glistening just in the exactly. light. Yeah. Yeah. Polished <laughs> before he, he got behind that column. Freaking incels, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when a woman exists. Um, but, you know, Brian, obviously, we, we get the first glimpse of Brian's CIA chops here when he... Uh, very quickly and successfully subdues uh, the singer or the the. <laughs> he took down the singer. He broke her arm. How dare you? The movie took a dark turn. <laughs> what did you say about my daughter? <laughs> Bunch the vocal cords. She'll never sing again. Now you can't. Sing. How you <laughs> find a new career? <laughs> How dare you? Tell my daughter to find a new career. I found you, and now you need to find it. Brian hired that guy. <laughs> but anyway, Brian subdues the attacker and then quickly gets uh, Shira into a car, and she's panicked. This is like the worst experience of her life. It didn't really seem all that bad to me, to be honest. It was like, oh, guy with a knife. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like the guy you got a to lot of hot takes her. tonight. Yeah. In the grand scheme of action <laughs> movies, in the grand attempted murder, yeah. it's not a big deal for me. <laughs> hear me, hear me out. Hear me out. This whole scene, it was about like ten seconds. Guy pulls a knife. Brian judo chops him a few times in the throat. Gets him on the ground. They're in the car within ten seconds, and in ten seconds, she's like, <laughs> like her, like her heart is racing. She's out of breath from ten seconds. Somebody tried to murder her. I, like I literally I, went for the lunge with I, the knife. Like I've choked on my food and almost died. Oh, that's in totally a the same. Amount of time that's, that. that's totally the same of a human being trying to take your life away. I guess, but I'm just saying, like. She'd be like, if she was like, damn, that was crazy. <laughs> She's like, fuck, bro, what? <laughs> Fridays, am yeah. I right? <laughs> you see that guy's knife? It was so small. Yeah, nine to five. <laughs> nine to five. What can you do? God. Billy, they had a machete. It was crazy. I'll never get tired of these hot takes by sports guy. <laughs> yeah, sports guy. Bread, I'm just take. saying, I, th I feel like since 2008, I've 
been desensitized to these types of movies. And a little 10-second scene where someone almost got stabbed after watching movies like John Wick, John Wick 2, John Wick 3. Uh, I haven't watched Nobody, but apparently that's right up there, too. Have you guys seen that one? This girl's no, not but an I've heard assassin, it's really good. though. Right. Right, again, yeah. but what I'm saying is, like, at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's crazy. But now watching, I'm like, yeah, that didn't seem like that big of a deal. I don't know. I, what, again, desensitized. It, it did. <laughs> yeah. You deserve that. Right. I, they, I don't disagree. Yeah. It, it, that transitions into the car scene where Brett is like, why is this girl upset? Like, she's fine. <laughs> she, um, but she, she had a right to be <laughs> I noticed more on this view of when I watched it that I was like, Dang, this scene's kind of awkward again. Like, I really, I really don't want to watch this scene right now, where, where she's crying, she's emotionally broken because somebody tried to stab her with a knife, and then he's like, he's like, shh, shh, shh. It, it's okay. And it was just, I was just like, this is kind of weird. I it's mean, like the <laughs> most realistic thing. I'd be like, uh, there, there. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't right. bring her into your your bosom <laughs> no, and embrace her. Uh, you're good. Then you have Brett in the car going, what are you crying get for? Get over it. You're alive. <laughs> Drink some more beer. You're, you're, a million, yeah. you're a millionaire singer. You can't handle a light Just write stabbing. a song about it and get over it. Come on, John Mayer. I didn't mean to yeah. trivialize it. I'm just saying. Years of movies since then. Desensitized. Again, take and walk so all these movies can run. I, I will say it again. But anyway, uh, she... He, you know, they get her to safety, and she's more inclined to hear about Brian's daughter's interest in becoming a singer. Then, um, so you know, she she hooks it up. She gives him a business card, and like, here's my vocal coach, here's my manager, just proving you need to know somebody. She was gonna pay for it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She that was dope. She yeah. she completely changed yeah. her tune there, and this so pleases me. Yeah, <laughs> and so we like her again, right? Yeah. Director I've taken Pierre Morel. I agree with Soundboard. Yep. Yeah. So at this point, uh, it's now the next day, and we're we're cutting to lunch with Kim. Brian got there first, you know, excited dad, getting ready to see his daughter. Got her the milkshake she likes, but Lenore came too. Mom came. Boo! Yeah. Lenny, come on, Lenny. Lenny. I gotta say though, I freaking love Tom Kansen. She like Jean Grey, freaking Nip Tuck. Did you guys watch Nip Tuck? She wasn't. Yes. She was so yeah. good in Nip Tuck. I dig her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, huge crush on her as a teenager, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and as an adult, I can say it. Um, but now we, we find out what this lunch is really about, and that's Kim wants to go to Paris with uh, her friend Amanda and their cousins, whatever. They're going to stay in this nice house there. Um, 90% of the time, there'll yeah. be a museum. Museums. Yeah, you know. I love the stuff. Mona Lisa. Like. Um, and it's here, you know, Brian says, you know, this is dangerous. I'll think about it. And, you know, Kim storms off in a huff. But now this is where we learn uh, that the marriage didn't go too well. Brian was absent a lot. And again, we set it in hook, but more of the overworked dad trope. Oh, you weren't always around. You were so busy with work. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I get it. You got to be there for your family. But if it's someone's job and they're providing and... and Saving our country. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, that's, that's was questionable. We yeah. yeah, we don't Perventor. really know what he was doing. Saving, who knows? Who knows? Right. So. Where democracy would Obviously be. Obviously, he was right this whole time. Yeah. Because she probably shouldn't have gone to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, I mean, throughout the entire movie, he never drops a I told you so, which is pretty bold. Because <laughs> I would be like, I fucking told you. <laughs> Remember when we were in the diner and I said no? 
I fucking told you. <laughs> Want to listen to me now? Bust out that karaoke machine. <laughs> We're doing a duet right now. Yeah. Totally clips of the heart. So right now, you and me. I have like three notes. One of them was Stuart not being a bad guy or <laughs> being a pretty good guy, you know? And then the other one was, or one of them was, yeah, this is the ultimate told you so to your ex-wife. Right. Do you think they talked about that where they're like, we can't have him say it. Like, we, we have to keep him above it. I mean, they very much painted him as a hero yeah. of the whole movie. And, like, that would About not be justice. a hero thing to do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, up until a point. Then he just became, we'll, we'll get there. No, no, I'm no, saying. He's definitely a hero. Yeah, he's, he's saying, a like, hero. He should have said it. I told it, you yeah. so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, here's your singing lessons. Um by the way, I uh. fucking told you so. You're going to listen to me now? If you ever don't listen to me again, <laughs> Dang, I why will did find his voice you. change like that? Okay. So, Christian Bale. So it's the next day yeah. now. And so that's what it feels like. <laughs> Where are they? Swear to me. <laughs> so it's the next day now, and Brian shows up at the Stuart. They, I don't think they ever said his last name. The Stuart residence. Stuart, Stuart. Dickbag, Stuart, Stuart. Stuart. Last name, Stuart. He's fine. He's a nice guy. Nice guy, Stuart. It's like Mario. Yeah. Turns out his first name is Stu. His last name is Ert. Yeah. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised with that face. Brian is there with the signed papers. Gives Kim some conditions. You know, take this phone. Call me when you get there. Call me every night. Let me know if you're moving. You know, dad stuff, you know? I don't think, I don't think anybody can blame him at this point, to be honest. Like, he was Kim? right. Yeah, yeah. He, Worst case, you're overprotective, right? He even said, this is one part, I mean, when you rewatch this movie, these th- these things come up. But when he was like, how about I go? And you're like, yes, go. Yeah. Please save her. And he's like, I'm really good at being invisible. He was saying, like, I'm a badass. I work for the CIA. Like, you won't even know I'm there. Why didn't he just do that? that I like, literally wrote that down. That is my complaint. Uh, he's <laughs> like, bro, you could do that. They would never see you, and you would always watch them. Just as she gets on the plane, he's just like, bye, bye. Yep, uh, this is my ticket. Yeah. yeah. And he John, you just ruined this movie for yeah. me. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, never, I never oh, thought about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. He should have done that. I'm like, you, yeah. you could do, like, especially everything you'll see in the movie that we're going to talk about, which is going to be amazing. So make sure you continue to listen, like, and subscribe, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but you're Hell like, yeah. you you have the capability of not even getting caught. Like, most people, they try that. Like, I'm sure when I'm a dad, I'll try that sometimes. I'm like, bro, I see you. You're like seven feet tall. You can't, you <laughs> yeah, can't you just sit there. You can't really hide in the crowd. And it's like, now I hate you, dad. But you're he, wearing a fake mustache <laughs> over your beard. I know it's you. you. They just have to go somewhere with palm trees. Yeah. Otherwise, you're screwed. But but anyways, like, that was just, I couldn't stop thinking of them. Like, you could have done this, and nobody would ever know. And like, he's yeah. literally yeah. retired. He had no other, like... <laughs> Yeah. Did he have responsibilities? The that could be that's the true. reason why. Yeah, he just I mean, got he could have figured it out. He just got out. paid. Yeah. How, yeah, how much is the ticket? Yeah. $2500. Yeah. <laughs> he could have he could have maybe blackmailed Stewart into it too like, "Hey, I know some shit. I don't know if Lenny knows it. Like, let me get I mean, the let me get the black card. Like, you give me the jet." Yeah, he could just yeah. be like, "I've seen things across seas. I I don't feel safe if you, you know, give me yeah. Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. We'll be set. Yeah. A year. <laughs> Bottom line, though, he should have just done that and yeah. not asked her for permission. Just gone. Yeah. Worst case, she sees him. I'm already here. Sorry. Cool. Yeah, Whatever. That's that was just yeah. like burned in my brain. To- totally agree for sure. Sorry, Marcus. 
Uh, last it condi- wasn't Spider-Man. Last course. condition, though, was that Brian got to be the one to take her to the <laughs> airport. You know, so Brian takes her to the airport. You know, he's helping her with her bags, um, but he pulls out some, uh, a map from the bags, and it doesn't look like Kim's just going to Paris, right? She's got other plans. She is apparently traveling to multiple places all across Europe, uh, and we find out from Lenore <laughs> that they're traveling. Uh, international sensation U2. Uh, you know, the band that decided that everybody in the world needs to hear their music and just instantly loaded it onto your Apple, your iTunes, <laughs> for free. Was it that? Another it hot Apple? take yeah. by Brett yeah. attacking you two. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm with Brett I'm on with this. Brett I'm on sorry. This. <laughs> yeah, Thank like, you. <laughs> Besides adding it on iTunes? No, I, I'm everything not a before fan that? of you two. Yeah. Wow. You couldn't get rid of it. Yeah. There were so many. I hate you. <laughs> I had an iPod at the time, it was and just it, just, there. it just synced up automatically. I did not want you two on my iPod. <laughs> hello, I did, hello. I did get rid of it, Hola. but I actually <laughs> went, went on my phone recently, and it's back on there. I don't. <laughs> the audacity of British rock band U2. You, you know it's not them, though. Come on. They didn't what? choose to do. They had Come to on. Have, they Dude, had to they were the commercials. They were... Do you think you two had to be consulted that, hey, this girl that gets no. kidnapped and sex trafficked, <laughs> the reason that happened is because she's following you around. So this was my last Maybe the guy felt of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, even in 2008, I don't think teenage girls were really into you two. That did not seem like the right time for them. I'm going to be honest. How is anyone into YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big YouTube yeah. fan yeah. at all. I'm sorry. I have two ears connected to a heart. <laughs> connected to a U as well. Anyway, uh, wasn't a fan of that. Pick a, pick another band. Any other band. Another deception. Honest. Right. Another deception. Just the Beatles. Yeah. That would have been... <laughs> they, they could not have followed them. In. Beatles cover band. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's actually spelt with like two E's instead of the A. <laughs> they they really messed the up the bells. But uh, you know, Brian elects not to say anything. They're already here. Let's Kim go have her fun. Snaps a quick picture of them one last time. Kim and Amanda. They're on, they're on the plane and <laughs> they're off them. to Paris. Don't let them go. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that, bud. Shouldn't have no. done that. So the girls. Amanda and Kim, they arrive in Paris now, and they're instantly excited. And I don't blame them at all. They're, like, hell excited to be in a new country, the the freedom. I did an internship in Chicago. I didn't even live with my parents, but the amount of freedom I felt when I stepped off that plane in another state with nobody in my family there, it, it's freeing. I get it. I can't even imagine what that would be like in another country. But they're taking pictures of each other, and they're approached by this guy Semi, <laughs> basically that's what that's what he's there for. You know? uh, Mr. Peter there says, "Oh, you know, let me take a picture with you, but with a French accent. I'm not going to attempt it." Um, Marcus will. He's kept very expensive. Let me let me take your picture, young lady. My pee pee. <laughs> Uh, Peter snaps a picture of the two of the girls and then <laughs> says, <laughs> "He says, hey, cabs he stays." They're fucking crazy expensive, right? You want to like share with me or something? So much money, these guys. So <laughs> <can't see. laughs> 
so they do. They they take them. The cab takes them where they go, and then dumbass Amanda's like, "Yeah, we're here by ourselves. <laughs> we live on the fifth floor, and yeah, we'll go to a party with you tonight. We have the entire place to ourselves." <laughs> she was literally begging to be she kidnapped. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, could they have made it more obvious that it was going to happen right, right there? Right. Oh yeah, just, the security code. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I this it's one actually, actually broken. Just yeah. come on in. <laughs> if you look at it, we to leave this a key time, under the mat. Yeah, which he found out. But I was watching it because I wanted to see if he kind of saw them because she put something in there, and you can just hear this. Just watching him. Yeah. And then just watch. Just watching him the whole time. Um, so uh, at this, I said you look shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter gets on the phone, calls up his his buddies. Uh, yeah, two girls around 18, gives them the place, the address. So now we cut back to Brian, and Brian's freaking out. Uh, he calls, he finds out, you know, Kim's flight's landed, no call from Kim. That was one of the conditions. Um, so so that's not good, and he calls. He calls Lenore, it's the middle of the night, she's sleeping. Hey, where's, what's up with Kim? And she's like, she's a teenager in Paris, let her, let her be. Brian calls again, finally gets through. We're on the phone with Kim while Amanda's, I guess, like rocking her face off to uh, Blur song song two. Uh, it was it? It was right. Yeah, <laughs> just like the whitest rock <laughs> you can ever think of. Uh, I jammed out so hard on Guitar Hero two to that. Blur was great. <laughs> I mean, well, that one that song. one song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah song yeah. two. Name four. Yeah. Name four of their songs. Song one. What happened? Song, song two. Song, <laughs> song three. Song four. I, I remember at the time being like, this song is fucking awesome. But now I'm like, is this literally Blur song two? Man, our, our, our palettes have evolved in these. In these eh, mine hasn't. <laughs> in these years. Uh, so, yeah, Brian finally gets through. Kim goes to. So this part I was confused about then. I'm confused about now. The, the layout of this place. So she goes somewhere where it's quiet. Which is a it's bathroom, floor. which she can look through the bathroom. Yeah, it's window. like a, it's like a, a, a U or something. Yeah, like like a, like a square shaped like yeah. layout, of like an O or something, where she can see so through the window. Somebody can just watch yeah. you take a shit from the living room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're just not used to French architecture. <laughs> incomprehending having a whole floor. So it's like when you're in a room, you're like, oh, it's like they're slowly connected, but no, this is like wrapped around the other side of the building. Right. And so she's watching Kim while she's on the phone, and it's here. I remind you what this movie's called, fellas. It's not called U2 World Tour. What's this movie <laughs> called? Somebody got took. It's called Taken for a Reason, oh, because taken. now... Taken the, for uh, a reason? <laughs> taken for a reason. Uh, now the, the kidnappers, they break in, and this... Yeah, basically, for the next, Man. like... For the next like five minutes, it's just pure chaos. Um, and then you have to relive it later <laughs> on. And Absolutely, like, God, he, he get to relived the that hundreds of times on the plane, where he just re-listens to the recording over and over. That had to drive him a little mad. Oh, it did. We'll get to that. <laughs> he's, he's just building up that meter yeah. to be able to do what he needs to do. So, Kim says they've taken Amanda. Brian gives very clear and short and specific directions. I, I need you to go to this room. I need you to listen. They're going to take you. Tell me everything that you've seen. Um, 
And what's interesting about this rewatch is like previous, like I said, I watched it five times in the theater, several times on Blu-ray before, but this is the first time I've ever watched it in subtitles. And like, I didn't catch in the previous viewings that Kim is actually shouting words like when she gets taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she says six like, six foot, tattoos, yeah. uh, or no, she says beard, six foot, yeah. tattoos, star and a moon. And I, I didn't catch any of that. In, in and she's any fighting. Previous. Yeah, I just heard screaming, the, uh, which uh, understandable, right? I just previously thought, he's like, hey, say everything you're hearing. And she just screamed. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. Because what else would you do in that situation? Which, shout out to her for, um, <laughs> I know, for, for one. Staying calm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he went right into like, boom, serious mode. Like, all right, we're done talking about anything else. Listen exactly what I'm saying. And then she listened, did exactly what he said calmed herself and then during that moment when she got dragged out by her feet from a random albanian man and she did exactly what was necessary and she said six foot and they probably don't understand feet there so they didn't know that's true yeah <laughs> just, just <laughs> they didn't realize she was describing that this is not metric i don't know <laughs> oh he was how albanian tall, how tall is he in meters <laughs> yeah. this is not metric <laughs> no metric <laughs> russian and albanian yeah. it's all the same so, so Kim hides under the bed. Guys come in. They're speaking a foreign language. We don't yet know it's Albanian. Well, we do because of the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> because I also yeah. watched yeah. the subtitles. I'm speaking Albanian. <laughs> I guess we find out very soon after that. But uh, everything seems copacetic. Everything's good. And then she gets yanked out of the bed. Um, kidnapper picks up the phone. And here we have delivered, which is my favorite monologue in cinematic history. And that's Liam Neeson's speech. Cue the soundboard. Oh, we don't have a sound, soundboard for the entire monologue. He just gets on the phone. Yep, yep that's, that was it. Just, a direct quote. Just ask him how he's doing. Hey, how are you doing? Here you have my daughter. Give her back. Talk please. to me. If All right. You... Listen, I told her not to go. Let's just let this be a lesson moment. <laughs> just help me out. Bygones be bygones. Help me out. Did Come it on. bug you when he does this monologue? It doesn't seem like he gives a shit about Amanda. I was going to say, <laughs> you can have Amanda, leave her. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Does he give a shit about Amanda? No, probably. Oh, especially yeah. right now. He's probably pissed off. He yeah. just found out that she, she lied, lied yeah. about the cousins. Those cousins are in Spain. They're not even here. Right. Yeah. Amanda is not, not the most trustworthy of, of, of the bunch here. Yeah. So um, we basically, you know, I will find you. I will kill you. Good luck. Um, and so Brian is on the move. He's instantly in the car, calls up one of the boys. He says, hey, analyze this footage. Because uh, at some point, you know, during that call, Brian goes in full CIA mode and starts recording the conversation. Um, gets it over to one of the guys to analyze. Goes to Kim's house with, with Lenore and Stewart. Looks through all of her stuff for any clues. Um, gets the analysis back. And uh, you know we 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 find out a lot from from Sam here from the from the analysis. We learn the language is Albanian. Uh, the dialect is specific to a region called Tripoya. Uh, guy speaking, they even got his name was Marco. Marco. Yeah, like it, where it, he comes I, from. I, I have no idea about <laughs> the possibility of all this. Does this? I was just like, damn, that's crazy. They could find that, but also it's a movie, so you could just write that they could find anything. And we know. From Life Aquatic, based off of the birds, they could tell where Bond Stooge was because they could hear him in the background. So 
crazy, crazy stuff. The CIA, anything, right? Yeah. Um, so at this point, Sam, you know, reveals all this information. Um, he says one thing very important, though. They are working um, this this group of Albanians. They are they specialize in a trafficking ring. Um, they used to lure people in, promise them jobs as maids, but now they just start kidnapping girls. Um, but the most important part is. Our analysis um, says that you have 96 hours from the time of kidnapping until you never see them again. And so they got to act quick. And so now, Brian, um, you know, at, at Lenore and Stewart's place, says, Stewart, I know you're a shady son of a bitch. You got some connections across these. Get me a plane. Just be easy on him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> For all we know. He did have probably like 15 motorcycles in his garage, so he's probably <laughs> a piece of shit. Yeah. Why didn't Stewart also maybe have security with him or something? God, John, stop <laughs> ruining this movie for me. They're all, we have him in the nicest hotels saying, for this whole tour. It would be very easy to put place security there by without themselves. Them yeah. Lot, Anyways, lots of missteps. Plot holes over. Yeah. Okay. That's a plot hole in one. Yeah. There you go. Bing. Sports guy here. Sorry, Mark. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> so Brian gets to Paris, and he is just. Oh, uh, actually, no. Let's let's back up a little bit. You got you mentioned he's on the plane. He's playing that recording over and over and over, rewinding it. Good luck. Rewinding. Good luck. Good luck. Um, Good luck. Gets to Brian <laughs> in Paris though, and. You can tell he just grocery shopped because then it comes to my favorite trope in movies where when someone has been to the grocery store, they will hold a bag with a French baguette poking out of it. <laughs> yeah, the groceries <laughs> are sticking out. He is in a, a place where... Win in Paris. <laughs> I, I would say this is the one acceptable use of this movie trope. Do you ever just go to the store and buy a French baguette? Oh, yeah, yeah every every day. Every time you go, right? <laughs> I thought you had to. But also, a paper bag. Those aren't very common, are they? I mean, oh, yeah. if you hate the environment. Which I do. Apparently, every grocery, <laughs> so much. Apparently every grocery <laughs> store I go to hates the environment. I would think uh, paper bags are probably better for the environment. I no. think you are correct. No. <laughs> I don't know the science behind it, but no. Paper made from trees. There's trees in the environment. It, it checks out, I think. Those um, microplastics in that plastic bag. But Brian, French baguette and all. Uh, I just think it's really, okay, I can't get past this. It's funny. Brian gets to Paris and he's like, oh, I need to get in this this building. My first step is to grocery shop. <laughs> so he gets there and he goes to a grocery store, gets several things. He's like, yeah, the baguette, that'll do. But whatever. He, he takes that and he gets into the building, puts the bag down. End of that. Uh, finds his way up into the apartment, um, you know, breaks a window in the process, and he's just retracing Kim's steps at this point. He, uh, he, he. Why couldn't uh, he just go through the front door of it? Because I imagine it was they, locked. He tried it, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like New York apartments where you have yeah. to be buzzed up or have a key. No, I mean like. Into the actual apartment he, he itself. He got into the, the complex, you could say, but he tried wow. the door. and The kidnappers locked. locked. I, it was, <laughs> it was locked. How did the kidnappers get in? Did I mean, they bust the door down, probably? I mean, Blur Song 2 is playing really yeah. loud. They and probably that's what picked I mean. a lock or so, something. But why would they relock it? Just to make it... Keep up appearances. Yeah. 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 Instead of having the door wide open with everything broken in the apartment. 
Regardless, Brian gets in. Yeah. Whether he walks through the front door and broke a window. It just seems unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he retraces Kim's steps. You know, he sees the window that she was talking to him he sees from. everything. Everything. Um, one thing I did note this time is he notices, like, there's a broken mirror and there's, like, a strand of hair coming. So he, like, takes that and pockets it. Was there any payoff on that hair? I was going to ask that too because <laughs> I had no idea what he grabbed that for. Yeah, I forgot about that. And once you started mentioning yeah. it, I was like, yeah. They I'm sure he was going to do something with it. Maybe his friend that comes later on. Maybe there was, was a, yeah, maybe there was a deleted scene, scene. Yeah. Yeah. where he's torturing the guy in the chair and he's just like, I, I got to make sure before I kill this <laughs> Let guy. Let me check. Yep, it's a match. <laughs> But the runtime was already at an, an hour and 30 minutes, and they didn't want to extend it any, any bit. Um, but uh, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to see an hour and 30-minute movie every now and then. But, but most importantly, Brian finds Kim's smashed phone, but specifically the SD card from that phone, where he goes to a printer stand, and he's flipping through her photos. And what's he see on, that, on those photos, guys? Which I'm sure... <laughs> We all thought this. <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. Enhance. But amazing machine like that he was able to just on the street somewhere or in a shopping mall, wherever he was, just put this in and be able to enhance, enhance, zoom, move around the photo. I was blown away. And ID. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> facial recognition, please. <laughs> Current location? Oh, yeah. this machine's great. Right? <laughs> the airport still. So we get a little glimpse of Peter in the reflection of a phone, a payphone, which what are those, right? Uh, a <laughs> payphone in Paris when he took the picture of the girls. Look at that. It's all tying together. So then it cuts back to Mr. Peter himself sitting at the airport, watches as another blonde teenage-looking woman walks by, signals to a friend, and goes outside to the cab line, and he delivers a very familiar line. Hey, these cabs in you know Paris are so fucking expensive, right? You wanna you wanna share? Did you kind of notice when he like looked at him? He gave kind of like a like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do this. Do it again. <laughs> Look. So I I was gonna say too. I was like, so this movie wants me to hate Stuart, but it almost seems like they want you to sympathize with Pete. <laughs> Peter, right. when uh, he's like, oh, I don't like doing this. I just have to. Yeah, he's <laughs> the bills. I'm sure. I'm sure Peter has a nice redemption arc, like in the second half of the movie. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> they double down on him a little bit too, trying to humanize him later on. Yeah, no, Peter. He turns out to be a great guy. You know, like did they just flatten out all of the uh, inconsistencies <laughs> with his with his character? Um, Fatality. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so Brian uh, interrupts this next trafficking attempt and basically is like, hey, the two American girls, where are they? She starts beating the shit out of this guy in the cab. And I love that the taxi driver's like, I don't want anything to do with this and takes <laughs> off and runs away. I thought when he was being pulled out of the cab, I thought it was the taxi driver that just like <laughs> went around and grabbed him by the this feet and pulled him car. out. Yeah, yeah, and and then the, the taxi driver comes back with the you know the cops you know as one would actually <laughs> <Justified>. do <laughs> justified. Uh, but Peter has booked it down the down the the highway freeway whatever it is with there. his lungs filling with blood. If you caught that little bit of line, yeah, and he's 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 favoring his ribs there. He's yeah. he's got his hand, but um, you know 
Brian jacks the cab, goes all the way, you know, up the up the lane. Peter jumps off the bridge onto a truck. Uh, doesn't make it too far before he is flattened. I'm surprised uh, Liam Neeson didn't do the same jump. Yeah. It seemed like he <laughs> is very capable of doing it, and Peter just did it, and he was he just broke his ribs. Him. Yeah, and he he looked up. The truck was still there, and it looked like a soft landing on yeah, the truck too. Like it was the like, truck was like padded. Yeah, something. But this whole scene when. You watch it over and over again. You're just like, it's just a little weird. Like, it's funny. Like, it's honestly fun how he stops and he just looks. And you're like, okay, got away. And then just gone. <laughs> now, now, this part actually kind of bothered me, too, because the guy who pulled him out of the cab was the, like, co-worker, I guess, of yeah, this. Yeah, like, the spotter for the spotter. And then the look on Brian's face when Peter gets flattened, like, oh, well, there goes that. <laughs> what about the guy that is <laughs> <laughs> his partner? Maybe he's go like, back. I, I can't go back. The police are there. Maybe he's like, oh, that might potentially, be I guess. I don't know. But, but yeah, so. And that guy probably left. <laughs> <laughs> that guy definitely he's like, got I'm not away. going back after that guy. Right. Beat the shit out of me. At this point, as a viewer, you're like, what does Brian do now? And then it cuts to some random French looking guy that we've never seen. Uh, and he's walking, and we see Jean Claude. Jean Claude Petrel. We see uh, Inspector. <laughs> Brian is kind of spying on him from a cafe, and we follow him. And uh, basically, we learn that you know they've they've worked together in the past. It's always un- a little unclear about what Brian has done in the past, probably by design. And I'm guessing that's where the show picks up. If you've seen the show and you like it, let us know. Tell if it's if it's any good or not. But. I don't plan on watching it, especially given the fact that it's already canceled. It went two whole seasons. Um, but anyway, so guy from his past, Jean-Claude Pitrell, tells him, hey, yeah, yeah you want to find the lead, you should find find the spotter. He goes, oh, yeah, I found him. He, he's dead. You found him that way? <laughs> um, and so we basically learn that Brian, he's no holds barred while he's here. There's, there's nothing this guy won't do to... Find his daughter. Um, but John Claude does give him a little bit of a tip. You know, we've had some Albanians come in here and, you know, they've, they've started a trafficking business. This is where you could go. And that is the lead. Take lead. my card. I sit behind a desk now. I sit behind a desk. That's what this guy's one role. Yeah. I can't help you. <laughs> I know. I sit behind it's a like, desk. What does that mean, man? It also bugs me. Like the police know about him. Like, about this group, but they're not doing anything about it? Well, well they explain that. Later way. on, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you at this point, but later on, it makes sense. You also get the the feeling, too, and he's like, there was a little bit of them, and now there's just so many. It's like, we can't do yeah. anything about it now. It like, got out of We hand. messed up in the beginning. We should have. Yeah. I, I was also, one thing I was very apprehensive about going into this movie is I don't remember how they portrayed they they essentially made an entire civil is it like an entire country of people the enemy for this movie right so I was like all right this is gonna be a pretty xenophobic movie I didn't think I, that I, I, didn't, I didn't think that either it's just I think that's where they came from these people like these specific these like, specific like right, right. organized crime almost you basically people. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did think <laughs> I don't want to go to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's so funny you say that because Liam, Liam Neeson himself, like the man um, himself, there were uh, there's uh, he stated several times in interviews 
that the biggest misunderstanding that people seem to take away from this movie is that Europe, in France in particular, is a place where like young people are at high risk for being abducted by traffickers. He said several times that several American parents have like thanked him after the movie for warning them of the dangers, saying they wouldn't let their, their kids go to Paris anymore. Um, and Neeson always says he takes the time to explain, like, no, this is a highly exaggerated film. But also, is it? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't seem that exaggerated. It really I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, granted, it, I don't know what the, like, I'll be honest, 16-year-old me paid zero attention to what the human trafficking landscape was like in, in the year 2008. The airport scene, let me, let me retract a little bit. The airport scene does not seem too exaggerated i could see that happening for some people like the the setup like the the they see them random person finds out where you are like that all seems very realistic some of the other stuff that happens maybe not realistic but mm-hmm. and i mean let's be honest that could happen anywhere that's not that's true. it's not that's like a, a paris only thing yeah very true good job defending the french markets good job yeah they won't defend themselves. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Alley oop. And the dunk. But Jean-Claude sends Brian on his way with his lead, but he's having him followed as well. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens to that. It cuts to this weird random guy waiting at the uh, intersection. Brian uh, pulls up next to him. Says, are you the uh, are you Gregor? Gregor gets in the car. Gregor. I love Gregor. I'm just gonna say it right away. Gregor's a champ in this movie. Gregor is a champ. Yeah, I hope he's in the show too somehow. I, yeah, is Gregor in the show? Tell us if you've watched it. But Gregor, uh, but Gregor uh, basically is the Albanian to English translator that Brian hires um, on Craigslist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's unclear, but Gregor is very, very confused about this entire undertaking. Gregor is usually paid by the hour. Brian's like, all right, here, cool, here's payment for 10 hours. He's like, what are we doing? Not important. <laughs> and he keeps asking him what we're doing. What are we doing? <laughs> don't worry about it. You don't, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. At that point, you're like, this is definitely illegal. Whatever we're doing, I'm out of here. So Brian gets out of the car, walks up to the uh, part of town where they have a bunch of prostitutes, walks us up to the one, and he's just, you know, yard sailing it up. Oh, can I get a can I get a deal? You know, like if I pay for, you know, this, will you like tickle my balls a little? You know? <laughs> Package deal. <Yeah. laughs> Is there a discount? And, and he's like work? and he's like, Oh, I always like take my time when I'm buying things, and then instantly I think back to the karaoke machine and I'm like I can't remember why he's doing this. Like, is this actually him, like, interested in the product and he's just not acting at this point? Is this the one that Beyonce uses? <laughs> the prostitute, not the karaoke machine. I really liked that whole interaction during this. Like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, this watch. I just thought it was so funny because it tied back to those things and he, he just did it so well. Yeah, I looking back, I feel like every line of dialogue in this movie, which there weren't a whole lot, was was made with intent for some future setup or payoff or whatnot. But the whole point of this exchange was Brian was to, I guess, waste the time of the prostitutes so that the handlers, pimps, whatever you want to call them, um, notice that, hey, this guy's taking up our time, gets out and tries to go rough Brian up. But what's Brian do? Quick thinking Brian here. He, he planned for this. Bugs him. Batman bug bugs on your collar. Him, puts a little bug on the guy's collar. 
goes back to the car. Hey, Gregor, remember what I hired you to do? Translate and now translate. Um, mastermind Gregor doesn't know why he's tra- he's uh, translating here, but we learn about a little bit of a, a hiccup in the business here at the construction site. Some of the merchandise, said with quotes, is giving them some trouble. And uh, that's all he needs. So Gregor worked for about 20 minutes, and he got paid for 10 hours Absolute champ. <laughs> Just <Apology>. like me. <laughs> <laughs> Your employer doesn't listen. You have problems with me telling workers to seize the means of production, but you'll come out here and openly admit. By the way, work. this is Brett talking right now. <laughs> all right. All right. Just making sure we're on the same page. Uh, he also stops Gregor and says, hey, I asked you for an Albanian to English dictionary. Did you bring it? Gregor says, yeah, of course, gives it to him, and Brian takes off, wondering what that was about. I, I, I pocketed that, um, and Brian goes to this construction site. He has a lead, goes there, and we see, you know, he, he works his way in, and we see a very, like, uh, disheartening place right here, right? I don't know if, I don't know what to call this place, a hotel, a brothel, like a makeshift little setup. I, I'm not disgusted. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to call this. It's just just it's, an it's awful horrible. place. Yeah. But to fully describe what what the scene is is it's just it appears to be just a big room, but there's a bunch of blankets hung up on like clotheslines or something yeah. to basically give the illusion of multiple rooms. Each of these rooms has like a little hand drawn, like number. one, two, three, like in, sig- signifying the room numbers. Uh, and Brian starts peeking in a few of them, and we see some some girls in not the best state here. Um, he peeks in on one. She's very clearly sick. She's sweaty. He sees the needle marks in her arm. She's gesturing, you know, like very strainingly, like, all right, come on in. Which, if everybody doesn't remember, they, which his friend that's part of the guys group told him that they specialize in getting people addicted to drugs. And then sex trafficking. Yeah, um, and it, at this point, I just have to say, I'm I was very glad this movie was PG thirteen because that could have been a whole lot worse than it was. Yeah, like I remember at sixteen years old in the theater, this part made me very uncomfortable, and still as a <laughs> even more as an adult, yeah. just <laughs> even more the so. gesturing in you. Yeah, like, right, uh, it it's it's rough even for a PG thirteen movie. So. I feel like they got the point across there, and it could have been worse. Thankfully, it wasn't. Um, but, you know, Brian's checking the rooms. He sees a familiar jacket. Right before Kim got on the plane, he snapped a picture of him and Amanda, and he, we get a little memory flash recall of Kim wearing this jacket that is seen in the corner of the room. He goes in there. He beats the shit out of whatever client is in there right now, asks the girl about the, the jacket. He says, did where did you get this jacket? And all she can say is, I'm good. I'm good. Which, again, so, such an uncomfortable scene. And, like, again, as an adult, even more uncomfortable. Uh, I feel like, you know, I've, I've been desensitized a lot to the action scenes in this movie, but the rest of this movie is just, like, awful, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning, too, of the, is it her shot? Yeah, like yeah. Yo, 
You'll see that a lot. You'll see that a lot. It really does. So we see the back of this girl um, with, you know, long brown hair. And we think, oh, is this Kim? Turns around, it's not Kim. So at this point, Brian's disrupted the business. Um, The Albanians come in. Hey, what's going on? Chaos ensues. Gunfight. Before, Before the gunfight starts, though, he chokes out a guy. And I couldn't help but laugh a little thinking that the sounds he's making while he's being choked out probably just fits well with his hair. <laughs> They're like, ah, yeah, that's common here. I can tell you I did not think that, but I wish I would have because that was probably really funny. Someone choking? Oh, What's yeah, no. Oh. Oh. That yeah, sounds like Bob. Oh, you're right, actually. Yeah. Gunfight ensues, uh, ends in a crazy high-speed chase. Brian grabs the girl, takes her on, uh, puts her in the backseat of the car. He's in a chase, but... She stays asleep the whole time. And more importantly, what did he do when he put her in the back seat? They clearly made sure to focus on this. He covered seat her. Belt. He seatbelted her. He seatbelted her. Yep. He covered it up. I, I got to say. Wear your seatbelt, people. Another hot take here. You know, we've got, depending on who you are, what time period, Ryan Gosling has been deemed like the internet's boyfriend, right? Sometimes now I think that role is Oscar Isaac, the internet's boyfriend. I'm just going to say it. Liam Neeson, the internet's dad. Call him daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I I would just feel safe in this man's presence. (laughs) He put her in the backseat gently, and then he buckled her up before he covered her up. In true dad fashion, he's like, hey, shit's about to go down. Put your seat (laughs) on. Did you go potty before we left? Good. Let's go. Brian, <laughs> all she said back was, I'm good. And he's yeah. like, all right, then. All right, that's all, right, all you have to yeah, say. Yeah. Is good. <laughs> Brian takes off on this construction construction site, getting chased by all sorts of guys. Um, craziness happens. You know, He loses some of them. Destroys a building. All the way up to the... It was a trailer, Marcus. <laughs> all the way up to the very last guy. Um, you know, Brian uh, is going through the construction site. Makes a, sh- a swift turn at the very end, and the guy behind him didn't get a chance to, <laughs> and amazing. goes smack first into into some machinery. Now I, Fatality. yeah, that dude was decapitated, <laughs> right? Oh, by yeah, a bulldozer. Yeah. He's not going to be in Taken Two. <laughs> <laughs> now this is one of those movies that I kind of wish it was rated R because that would have been a cool, a cool kill. But okay, and I need to make a full confession here. I'm a dumbass, and I didn't know what that truck was called. I wrote when I when I was taking notes, I was like, "It's not a dump truck, right?" <laughs> dump truck is on the back. I wrote, Cra- "Dude crashes into backwards dump truck." <laughs> Some quick googling and a uh, article that leads me to construction uh, machinery uh, identification for children. It's a it's a bulldozer. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to watch Blippy every day, so I know. <laughs> so, dude crashes into a bulldozer, not a backwards dump truck. <laughs> Another thing for this scene that stood out to me on this one was his driving right when he gets in with those gasoline or oil barrels or something. Like, he does perfectly planned. Just perfectly planned, like, figure eights to, one, hit the barrels they spin, spark, and then another one. I don't remember. What did he hit for the trash can? A fire fire or something? Yeah, Yeah, just a 50-gallon. That, I was just like... All right, now we're getting a little crazy. Yeah, Brian <laughs> visits a, a brothel, and the whole place it ends up in flames. Yeah. That sounds about right. So now it cuts to John Claude, and he's on the phone with Hang the on. guy. John Claude. <laughs> I do want to go back, because this is something that bugs me in a lot okay. of action movies. So 
I hate gun sh- like gunfights. Nobody lands a shot <laughs> ever. Like they are like using automatic weapons, and all he's behind is the passenger door. Doesn't get hit once. <laughs> they're stormtroopers in that yeah. scene. Like they are in this whole movie, honestly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those bullets would go yeah. right through that door. They even and make, his leg. <laughs> they even make if you look at those bullet holes in that Jeep, like they look like they go <laughs> yeah. through. Like, yeah. and you're just like all right, 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 right. I mean, there's no stronger armor than plot armor. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> it's like uh what uh pulp fiction, right? <laughs> when uh Samuel Jackson and John Travolta are getting shot at. Then they like look down. And they're like, what? <laughs> like nothing hits them. Hey, whatever happened to Marvin in that movie? Oh. We, I don't know. Fatality. <laughs> <laughs> so now John Claude is on the phone with some guy. We find out is the guy following Brian. He says he's going to try to lose you. And then sure enough, a second later, Brian makes an evasive maneuver, drives by, gives him the old finger. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Just, that was great. It's just a meme. He's just <laughs> perfectly just flipping him off. So Brian loses the tail, switches cars, steals another one, hot wires it, goes and rents a hotel room. And again, another buddy. America's dad setting up an IV for this girl, getting some, making sure she's got some fluids going into her arm, and she, he's taking care of her. He's doing the most. And I appreciate that they show him, like, exhausted. Like, yeah. when he's setting it up, he's, he's like, human. wiping his, <laughs> like, his face and stuff. And he's, like, you know, concentrating because and I got to imagine he's not sleeping at well, all. Well, it's <laughs> funny because now he actually, like, nestles into the chair. And he's, like, oh, wow. He's, like, actually going to sleep. And this is the first time he's slept in a while. But that is very quickly interrupted because John Claude calls him. He wants to meet. Basically, Jean-Claude's not too happy with Brian's activity since he's been here. He wants to send him home. Uh, other people wanted him in jail, but they're, they've worked together. They have some sort of unspoken history. The desk above his desk. The desk above his desk. Mm-hmm. So Jean-Claude is willing to look past the seven dead bodies and the three in the hospital at this point um, and just send him home. Brian has other ideas, gives him a big F you. <laughs> That's not enough dead bodies. It's not. <laughs> For what they're dealing with. And it was a trailer, not a building. <laughs> He's doing their job. Yeah. He's doing the police's job. Well, yeah. This is why we need more vigilantes in the world. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, stating uh, it here. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll get to the if why they're mad at isn't him too. Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the boondock saints, what are they? But vigilantes, right? <laughs> We've been there, guys. But now the the girl that Brian has been um, nursing back to health, she she wakes up very confused. Um, so, you know, Brian shows a picture of Kim. Hey, where did you get this jacket? You have this jacket. Where's the jacket? And we learn that um, she was cold and Kim gave it to her at she the house. She was cold and she clothed her. <laughs> What's that from? from Pineapple Express. <laughs> I clothed you. <laughs> Um, and so she tells Brian of the house with the red door that, uh, you know, a little, little flashback. She pulled up in a car with Peter arriving to what she thought was a party and she was, she was taken there. So Brian asks about the red house. That's the title of the movie. You said the thing. <laughs> I said the thing with the thing. So Brian shows up at the red house now, uh, and truly, 
Paradise. Truly Paradise. one of, if not the greatest scene from start to finish of this movie. Brian shows up, meets the henchman at the front door inside. They're very confused why he's there. Says, go get the boss. They say, we don't have a boss. Pulls out a business card. Who is the business card for? Inspector <laughs> Jean-Claude. <laughs> Betrell. Um, basically says, you know, give me, go get your boss. He rolls a nat 20 on his intimidation check right here. Uh, or charisma. Either way. Yeah. And so the guy goes up the stairs, talks to somebody, comes down, he says, do you have a weapon? He says, you're holding it. Talking about the business card. That was a badass line, by he the way. He was not wrong. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Brian gets taken to the boss's room where we're shown several guys sitting around a table They've all got tattoos on their hands. And a lot of them have beards. A lot of them have And they all have the same name. And And they're they're from the same place. All six (laughs) foot tall. So what's funny is, obviously, previous viewings, I know what this room is. But again, this is the first time I've watched with subtitles. So I didn't catch the tattoo with a star and a moon before. So now when you see all like five different guys sitting around table and all of them have a star and moon tattoo... The significance again just further hits home. This movie is a masterpiece. I and have you, to say it. You start playing guess who in this moment. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You count the beards. You count the tattoos. It could be anybody. So Brian's just having a conversation with them. He mentions, "Yeah, all right, I'm here because your rate's going up." He says, "Oh, we've already negotiated the rate with Mister McCone. That." Is why the police don't shut them down because the police are in on it. And that's why they want to move him back to the United States. Because you're going to mess up our business. Disrupting some shit going on. Um, So now Brian, you know, just has this conversation. He's trying to be friendly, but also intimidating. He starts talking to all of them, right? And all of them start talking, except for one. One has not said a single word this whole time. Well, after the whole rate negotiation um, debacle is out of the way, Brian pulls out a slip from his paper, a slip of paper from his pocket, which he was previously seen writing on while translating from his English to Albanian dictionary. He hands the, the paper to the guy who has not spoken. He says, hey, a friend gave this to me earlier. It's Albanian. You mind translating? Guy holds up the phone. Or holds up the, not the phone, holds up the paper, shows it to everybody. They all share a little laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to do a reenactment? Do (laughs) that. Something like this. (laughs) Good luck. Um, Get over here! Yeah, that's all Brian needed. Uh, He heard the words in the voice of the dude on the phone. And this is my favorite part of the entire movie. Um... Brian looks at the guy and he says, you don't remember me. We spoke on the phone two days ago. Cue visible, visible confusion. I told you I would find you. <laughs> and that's all it takes. And absolute chaos ensues. Could you Bru- imagine being that guy? Just like, oh, fuck, you actually no did it? <laughs> How you don't shit your pants right then in there? I don't know. Uh, but Brian very, very strategically kills Every single Albanian in this building, except for one. Except for one. The guy who said the words. Marco um, from? 
Tripoya. Tripoya. Uh, I also particularly love this scene because he kills all the dudes in the room, knocks the one guy unconscious, and then when the reinforcements come... He pretends he's dead. He's yeah. freaking laying <laughs> under the body of a dead guy he killed, pops up and shoots him. Insane. This movie walks so John Wick could run. I'll say it again. <laughs> they also show him assessing everybody in the house as he's walking through. Like, they're just like, okay, two guys in that room, two guys in that room. You're dead. Yeah. You're dead. <laughs> I'm going to get you yeah. with a throat rip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Insane. Uh, I'm getting hyped up again just talking about the scene. Literally my favorite scene in the whole movie. Um, but then it cuts to the next scene here. And uh, he's wa- he's waking up, Mr. Marco. And how does he wake up, Mr. Marco, here? Not the most pleasant of ways, I imagine. With a uh, rope tied in a knot at the end. And then he swings it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, <laughs> Under whoa. the chair. <laughs> Ooh, and he that scratches g- his balls. Don't <laughs> <laughs> scratch my balls. Uh, okay, Mads Mikkelsen would have been great in this movie, right? I mean, any movie. In literally yeah. any role. It, it, except for probably like the Harry Potter prequels. I, I just feel like the damage has been done there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not his fault. It's not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so uh, it's time to wake up Mr. Marco here. He jams two metal rods into Marco's knees and, uh, you know, gives him gives him a little shocky shock here. Turns on the shock for a few seconds. And uh, he's, he gives like the... At this point, Brian is unhinged. He gives like a super villain monologue beginning with, no, we used to outsource these, outsource these kind of things. And I remember... Again, saw this movie five times in the theater. Every single time I watched this movie, it was a packed theater because I watched it like when it came out. When Brian says, we used to outsource these kinds of things. Every theater I was in cracked up laughing at that point. Don't know why. It's yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> why? Very weird. Yeah, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's <laughs> outsourcing. supposed to be <laughs> torture. <laughs> Which is why I want to I want to double back on the uh, the xenophobia potential here because it's at this point... Brian delivers a line to Marco, and he says, like, you come to this country, take advantage of the system, you think that because we're tolerant, we're weak and helpless, your arrogance offends me. And for that, the rate just went up 10%. He actually said that in the previous scene when they were negotiating. But he says that to the Albanians, we're torturing the Albanians. I just feel like the the demographic for this movie, it's just a bunch of dads, right? So... Uh, I just feel like the, the the narrative of all that is kind of like, oh, let's let's hate a race of people. I don't I don't know that. We'll talk about that a little later in the in the in the does it hold up? But um, Brian turns on the shocky shock. Uh, Mar- Marco's not talking though. This guy's got balls. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand why he spits in his face again. Because it's like, dude, you literally just got shocked. He's not afraid to do it to you again. Spitting just in movies give the information. <laughs> the whole point of Brian's weird monologue is that, hey, you have good power here, <laughs> so I can shock you for a long ass time. So get talking. I'm gonna do it again. So he might as well talk. So I, uh, there's a chance I don't. Obviously, he's going to. I mean, he deserves it. But <laughs> it's like, what is your thinking in? spitting at him again you're not proving anything there's one realistic torture scene and i think it's in deadpool 2 when uh cable picks up weasel 
and he tor- like he throws them on the couch. He's just like, you don't have to do anything. I'll tell you everything you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marco at first doesn't give in, but very, very quickly uh, starts telling him what he needs to know. And it's that they don't have Kim. They, in fact, sold her to somebody else named Patrice Sinclair. Sinclair. Somewhere else. And Brian goes to turn on the shock again, and Marco is just begging him, no, please, please. And Brian says, you know, I believe you. Just not going to save you. And turns on the power, and he's out of there. Fatality. <laughs> Essentially, yes. We assume. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Marco, we can only assume, is electrocuted at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no way he's... Coming out of that, and oh, that's got to be yeah. the worst way. But then to go. again, because that's not I haven't immediate. Seen Taken two. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> was just going to say. I do remember Dang, in Taken two. In Taken two, Brian is fighting essentially the rest of the Albanians <laughs> of this group of people that you know of this one particular sect of them. Uh, I don't think Marco of Tripoya made uh, a resurgence, but who knows? Turns into Electro. Maybe we'll get an El Cam- <laughs> maybe we'll get an El Camino type movie and see where Marco is these days. You know, um, but Brian has a lead now. He has a name, but he has no idea with what to do with that name. Um, so Brian then goes to his old pal Jean Claude Petrel's house, um, but we don't know that Brian's there first because it. The first glimpse of this we see is Jean Claude. Getting home from work, holding a single baguette, <laughs> just just one, not a grocery bag, just one. I actually laughed when I saw him walk in the front door holding a loaf of bread, like a baguette. But again, it's not in like a bag or anything. He's just literally just just French things, just like so raw dog and handling the the, <laughs> the baguette. I don't know if you've ever been to the mall like as it's closing. And Cinnabon's closing, and they just leave the like extra cinnamon rolls out. Is that a it's thing the, that happens? Yeah, yeah. we got we like a bunch of free <laughs> we ones. Took, like I think. three boxes. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's the same out there. They they just leave their extra baguettes out, and they're not going to use them. So might as well just leave them out for people to grab. I'm sorry, I haven't listened to anything you just said because <laughs> Cinnabon <laughs> leaves their cinnamon rolls out. What? What time is it? I doubt they do that anymore, though. We're gonna wrap this up. We got places to be. They, I, I bet, like every location tries not to have any extra at the night. Yeah. But I mean, it's gonna happen, and they're not gonna sell them tomorrow. A and QT. unless the employees want them, I saw a QT. They throw away the donuts. They sell the donuts for like. Oh, I saw a guy straight just putting them in a trash can. Well, I mean, after a while, you can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> I have a name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Brett was a trash can. He caught me. But uh, John Claude returns home. Uh, his wife is like, "Oh, we have a guest for dinner. You know, you know, go go tuck your kids in and let's have dinner." We find out that Brian is there, so John Claude goes and tucks his kids in, makes a pit stop back from the living room to the bathroom, where he gets his concealed gun from under the bathroom sink, the lowest part of the bathroom when you have kids, just in a cabinet. Right. With no lock on it. We have children. No, it's, it's it's not up high. It's down low where the kids can get it. It's a great spot. We have Damn, chil- John, you're just <laughs> 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 We have children who are a single-digit uh, height 
Well, I guess everyone is, unless you're a, a, a 10 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a new thought again. I was like, three feet why tall. would he have it there? Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I guess it was like tucked up in the sink. I don't, kids are weird. They, they would probably Not everybody can touch the ceiling, John. True. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jean-Claude goes to dinner. He's got his gun stashed away. And I love, I love this thing they do in movies where two people are talking about something, but they do it in a way where the third person there doesn't know that they're talking about it. What's going on? I feel like they gave that up pretty quick. Very quickly. They did. Their subtleties went out the window. Well, I know Jean-Claude. Are you in on it? And his wife's like, what shit? What shit? Wait, Brian, what? Are you in on this shit, Jean-Claude? What shit? Tell me about the shit, honey. (laughs) And Brian, uh, full tunnel vision. Um, you know, John Claude pulls out the gun, points it at Brian. Brian's fucking chess moves, guys. <laughs> fucking chess moves. Says, "Oh, nice gun. It would sure be a shame." Dumps the bullets on the table that he slides already it, found. <laughs> slides them out of his sleeve of his jacket. I got him. This this is what happens when you sit behind a desk. You get slow. You forget things. And what do you forget? <laughs> that I'm gonna shoot your wife. <laughs> Get, uh, yeah, he's gonna shoot your wife in the arm, but just a flesh wound. What the fuck? I, though? Yeah, what just the hell? Crazy. What again? When I see this, I'm just like, damn. He really. He was just so nice to her. He just shot her. So, um, but anyway, so he basically forces Jean Claude to give him the information, saying this would have been very easy if you would have just given me this information to begin with. But we got uh, a picture of Sinclair. And so the very next scene, Brian is infiltrated Patrice Sinclair's party. And Brian's in the uh, the, sh- the shark's den oh. here. Is that the same? Shark's den? Whatever. Shark yeah. tank. Shark tank, whatever. The the lion's den, that's oh. it. Brian's uh, in the lion's unfortunately, den. Unfortunately, I'm not uh, approving of human trafficking. And for that reason, I'm out. But only because I'm in the same <laughs> business. <laughs> I'll give you uh, 25%. <laughs> so Brian is now in the room of one of the buyers of this auction and you know, sees basically the process. Everyone's got their own little buttons. And they're bidding on these girls. Um, again, very, very uncomfortable scene, especially when it shows the last girl and last up to bid. Um American certified pure. That line made me want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, and speaks a little French. I mean, barely. <laughs> but she even said, like, she never spoke French. Amanda spoke French, yeah. so that's. Yes. I thought that was weird, right? Um, and so you know, Brian forces the guy to buy her. Um, the guy says, "You'll never get away with this." And he says, "You know, for your sake, I hope I do." And walks out of the room right before he gets conked on the head, unconscious. But I didn't remember that part either. I was like, "How does he get out of this?" <laughs> it was it was an interesting scene where you're just like, "All right, he's got him," and then all these things he's ever done, and then he just walks out of a door and gets hit in the back of the head. It's like, "All right, I guess he's caught." Wasn't able to make it out. But he wakes up and he's handcuffed to some like sprinkler system above. I don't know. Imagine your hands water pipe. Yeah, Yeah. imagine your hands straight up in the air. He's handcuffed to the pipe. Uh, Patrice Sinclair is there right away. What are you doing? Who are you? That's my daughter. Patrice 
basically says, oh, tough shit. Well, all right, kill him, but quietly. No, he does this in the worst way. This scene actually pissed me off because he even goes like, oh, I'm a kids. dad. I'm a dad. I, I have get kids. It. I, have a, I yeah. get it. I have two daughters. A son. No, <laughs> you're a fucking monster if you have yeah. kids. Yeah. And he made it seem like if she wasn't sold, you could have her. But in this game. There's no returns. Yeah. No takey backs. No, no takey backs. Uh, uh, and she's apparently been bought for half a million dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, Brian doesn't take that for an, op- uh, an option. And basically, you know, Patrice says, kill him quietly, leaves the room, takes Brian all of five seconds to bust out of this shit. The pipe's not very secure, which. I'm going to guess he's probably the first person ever handcuffed to that pipe, right? I'm going to flex and bust yeah. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> or that's their favorite pipe, and that's why it's It's not just very, so loose, yeah. yeah. Brian makes quick work of the guards, shooting a couple of them. Um, Patrice is like, I said quietly, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> Brian goes out there and pumps three shots into him, and Patrice gives the most pathetic speech. <laughs> it was nothing personal. <laughs> it was just business. <laughs> Brian, again, absolute badass. Just killer it was, line. It was personal to me. <laughs> Five more shots for a total of eight into this guy. Don't know how many his gun holds, but it seems as though it was all of them. He had and the crazy eyes. He had bullets. the crazy eye yeah. hydrogen psychosis. <laughs> Killed his best friend. I mean, abducted his daughter. I mean, when you're breaking people's necks, what it looks like over railings, you have enough bullets in a gun. To kill so it's funny life. you mention that because up until this point in the movie, Brian's preferred way to take people out is either run them over with a car, <laughs> have some crazy self-inflicted accident, or some karate moves where he's just like knocking yeah. them unconscious. Aside from the Albanians, you know, uh, hideout, he hasn't really used a gun too much. But at this point, it's just full gun from here on out. Uh, in his dying words, Patrice mentions that there's a boat nearby. Brian takes out a guy, steals a car, makes his way to a bridge, jumps onto the boat, starts taking the guns from people, fires it until it's empty, takes another gun. I think he switched guns like three times during this whole fight. And once again, these guys can't hit anything. Like in that one. He got clipped a couple times, didn't he? Not, well, it was he the very last time. He only got clipped at the very last time. The, the boss henchman. One scene, yeah. too, he's in when he's on the boat. one of that rooms, and a guy walks in with, like, an MP5 or something like that, and they show his back. Brian's back is to the guy, and the guy walks in, and he starts shooting, and they show Brian, like, slowly turn and then just, like, get behind the couch as the guy is just fully unloading automatic. He's like, oh, it's good. None of, none of them hit me. So, yeah, Brian takes that gun, uh, kills, <laughs> he, kills he, everybody. I think he does take that kills, gun. Kills the last henchman who's got the curved knife. The curved knife, that's a little harder to disarm. Uh, puts up a struggle, but ultimately wins. And then goes into the, the, the Sheik's room, who we can only assume, obviously, is the ultimate buyer, um, where he's holding, you know, a weapon up to Kim. And <laughs> what were you going to say? We can negotiate. Yeah. yeah. So what's funny is I, I remember from previous viewings that Kim didn't realize it was her dad until after he was dead, right? But he walks in and like there's a there's an exchange for like maybe thirty seconds. So in my head I'm like, how does Kim not recognize it's her dad the whole time? She has her eyes closed the entire scene. She's like, uh, I don't know what's happening. Don't touch me, old man. That wasn't the part that bugged me about this scene. So earlier on the boat, there's three 
women that they bring into the, the guy's room. Yeah. Where are the other and, two? <laughs> yeah, where are the other two? And how did he know that she was his daughter? Because the henchman just the said, henchman oh, it's the girl's say, dad. Yeah. yeah. Which girl? Yeah, good point. Good well, point. No, he knew it's girl because... That was the henchman that was buying. That was buying. So, like, the lead henchman... Did he point it out? Okay. Like, we had, yeah. we had trouble with this one. Yeah. But also, he... Okay, so the, the, this also brings up another point. Brian forces guy to buy her for $500,000. The guy's not there to collect the payment because he's dead. What happens to all that money? She has... They have Kim, so they do they have to relinquish payment. I don't know. I don't know the complex <laughs> systems of human trafficking. Sure, it was electronically thankfully. transferred right away. <laughs> right, but uh, it didn't seem like too much uh, of a of a big deal to this sheik because the only words out of his mouth are "We can negotiate." Yeah, before he gets right a bullet when you to hesitate. Head. Kim is finally reunited with her long lost dad. She says, "You came back for me. Of course I did. I told you I would." Ultimate Not dad. I told you so. Told you, told I, you would. I would. Ultimate oh. dad. <laughs> Even um, though it should have been I told yeah. you so. And I'm going to say it right here. I, I realized myself unclenching my butthole for the first time in like an hour at this point. <laughs> Sigh of relief. Um, but now, Kim is safe. And it's all happy from here. We cut back to L.A. Stuart helps Brian with his bag. Brian's in a sling. Good guy. Good guy, Good guy Stuart. Stuart. Even follows it up with Brian. If there's anything you need, you need. And Brian says, "I've got everything I need." Incredible. Oh wait, 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 wait. Actually, if you could uh, just transfer a couple million <laughs> to my account, you look, you look like you're well off. And maybe uh, divorce your wife so that she can marry me again, <laughs> so I can be happy. Maybe again. never talk to my family ever again. Yeah. But continue to pay us. <laughs> yes. And then the movie ends with Brian and Kim, presumably later, obviously, because they look in fine. They look fine in, in good health, ringing a doorbell. But who is the doorbell? Who does the doorbell belong to? Door opens, and it's none other than Shira herself. Shira. Ready to take on Maggie as a, a dumb name. Client. <laughs> I don't know, but supposed to be like Shakira. Shira, Shira says, <laughs> Shira, Shira. Shira says, so I hear you want to be a singer. And both of them together, I do, she does. It's like, all right, Brian, you've had your moment. Let her, let her speak now. Um, and they walk in, right off into the sunset. Um, but with that, that is taken. Um, so we got to ask an important question here, fellas, and is, does that movie hold up? This movie was made in tw- 2008. Does it hold up in 2022? What do we think? Uh, how do I put this? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a little different on this one. I don't think it holds up anymore. Why? Just because it, I feel like it, it gets you in the, in the beginning of like the, the action. And it's like, look at this and hopefully you ignore all this other stuff. And, it just doesn't. There's there's not a lot of substance to it. Is what I was really getting from from this viewing of it for me this time. Like I don't know how many times in this movie something's happening and just it's like fade to black. All right, this episode is over. On to the next episode of now I'm in this apartment. Like it, 
that happened multiple times and I noticed it this time more just because I wasn't as hyped about the fighting and it's like a multiple thing now that I've seen this. So I don't think it stands up anymore. Like it's good for what it is, but it's not as good as I thought it was previously. Hot take sports guy. What's up? Okay. So I would say I'm like right in the middle of like Keenan and John. And before we started recording the podcast, like right before we started recording the podcast, I'd be leaning more towards that hell yeah. But then with all the John's, John's points. You did take a lot of the air out of this I'm movie. Sorry. John's points. It kind of leaned me closer to John's. So I'm like right in the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the actions. I like the fighting and... But, uh, and like what you were mentioning before, it does kind of shine a bad light on a lot of things that may be over-exaggerated. It was still entertaining, though. So, it kind of holds up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree with Keenan. I I think it holds up, but... um I'm gonna I'm gonna say I acknowledge your points, John. About there's really not any substance. Thank it, you. It's it's not it's not a deep movie. It's really not. Um, but I don't think it was intended to be in 2008 or now. I think this is the ultimate dad fantasy movie. Every dad wants to be the ultimate protector of their children, right? I'm not a father, but I could watch this with the cap of a dad on, where you're like, if that was my kids, I could do that, right? Every dad wants to be able to be a spy and go kick ass if, if it means saving your family. I would want to do it. <laughs> I couldn't do right. it. But that, that's what I mean is this is a fantasy of yours, yeah. right? Like, oh, I would like to do that. So I will live vicariously through Brian Mills here. So although it's not a movie of substance, I don't think it was ever intended to be. My only qualms with this movie holding up is, again, the xenophobia. I, I, I was very kind of... Uh, apprehensive to listen to how oh let's let's see if they i because i didn't really recall like how if they painted like an entire race of people or or country of people like in a certain way i didn't feel like they did it too bad aside from that one line again about like oh you come to this country you take advantage of our resources or whatever and i feel like the audience for this movie you know again the dads they might take that away, especially given the fact that it's you're still fighting the Albanians in Taken Two and Three. It's oh, wow. it's not a, it's not a, it's not something that goes away. So, aside from that, I think the movie holds up. It is a generic action flick. It's better than a straight to DVD movie. It's fun. Um, it's edge of your seat. But ultimately, I, I I think that's all it was ever intended to be. And for that, I'm in. So at this point, guys, this is where we uh, normally like to play some games in the show. Games, um, games, 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 games. I do have to say games, something though. Games, games, <laughs> it's games. games. When when we, when we arrived <laughs> to uh, this podcast <laughs> recording station today in scenic John's dining room, um, let's we, go. We had a little previous discussion. Um, Normally, we like to play this little game called Bed Would Be Head, where we take three people from the movie. You know, you get it. Uh, it doesn't feel really appropriate to do it with this movie um, for reasons that are obvious. So we're going to skip doing that tonight. We're just going to play the other game. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to play uh, a little game we call Seven Degrees of Who. 
So we'll pick one person from the movie. Uh, who wants to pick the person? I want to pick. <laughs> I don't know the guy's name. You knew the guy's name. Uncle Rico. John Grease. John Grease. Yeah. So we're going John Grease to a randomly generated celebrity. And the first one on the list is another J name, Mr. Justin Thoreau. Ooh, Ooh. I like Justin Thoreau. <laughs> yeah. So who wants to start us off? Uh, well, Marcus, you picked, so you, you start us off. Go, uh, go John Grease, Justin Thoreau. That's, all right, so John Grease is Napoleon Dynamite. And that was uh, John Heater? Heater? Yeah. Heater? John Heater. All right, you want to go to the next round? Sure. And going see. John Heater now to Justin Thoreau. Okay, let's go with... John Heater was in the bench warmers with Rob Schneider. All right, I'm going to go with Rob Schneider was in The Water Boy with Adam Sandler. Uh, okay. Okay. Let's do Adam Sandler to Leslie Mann in Big Daddy. Leslie Mann was in Knocked Up with Paul Rudd. Okay, so I want to go. Paul Rudd was in I Love You Man with Jason Siegel. Okay. 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 Jason Siegel was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall with Jonah Hill. Here we go. Callback to a previous episode. Jonah Hill was in Night at the Museum 2 with Ben Stiller. Take it home, Marcus. Ben Stiller was in Zoolander and he DJ f- or what a breakdance fought. With Justin Thoreau. <laughs> Relax. So that was. I did not realize that, by the way. Zoolander. 10. That's not bad. Ten, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not good either. <laughs> we could have got it with Paul Rudd back to Wanderlust. So. I don't think anybody saw that. Yeah, I, 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 I was trying to get it. to Your Highness. I think oh, you I saw or, it. Your yeah, I was going to um, do Your Highness. That's what I was trying to do. Or American Psycho. That's what I was trying he was an American Psycho. I haven't. Uh, yeah, it's he's one of the. He's one of the guys. With that was my third yeah. one. So mm-hmm. mine were Zoolander, Wanderlust. So now we're reaching the end here, guys. So I think it's only time that we revisit that bad review that we had earlier from Mr. Peter Travers, from the Rolling Stone, who said it's fun for about fifteen minutes seeing Neeson do James Bond as Daddy Dangerous, but the surprise wears off quickly. Um, I'm going to just flat out disagree with all of that here, but let, let's let's read the room here. What do you guys think? Well, and what does he mean like the surprise wears out quickly? Because I think, I think he's saying it, it got old pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't I don't agree. Little <laughs> did all. Peter Travers know that for the next decade, movies exactly like this, but up in scale are, ma- are being made. So he's I think so pissed right now. He sees John Wick and he's like, Ugh. Punch in the air right now. God. <laughs> Damn it, these fucking movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Any, anything else, John? What do you think? I mean, I get what he's saying for it. That's kind of where it's the same exact thing over and over in the movie, but I don't think it deserved that harsh of a, of a critic for it. I agree. Um, now, normally at this point, I, I try we try to find like a, a quote in the movie that sums up the whole thing. Um, again, this movie's not that deep. There's not really one quote... Unless I just pulled from the monologue, which, you know, you all know it. Um, so instead, I'm just going to make a, 
a bold claim about the movie and that all of everything that happened in the movie is entirely the fault of the band U2. You're tacky and I hate you. Exactly. <laughs> so if you listen to U2, I'm sorry, but, you know, don't get don't get kidnapped. So that's, that's our advice. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's, that's our professional <laughs> advice. <laughs> that's Brett's advice. For you too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with that being said, that was Taken. Um, it, again, scored a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, critics believe that this movie is only 1% better than Michael Bay's Transformers, which is the first time we've ever got to say that. Um, but I think it's much better. Um, I don't know. Sound off. Let us know in the comments. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We have a feature on Spotify now where you can comment on there, leave a comment on the video. We're also on TikTok. Um, If you haven't got a chance to see those, we just make kind of little funny wrestling videos with the characters from the episodes here, just to some clips. Go check us out. Uh, One spot to find all of our links, just go to linktree.com slash rottengems. Join us next time when we talk about MacGruber, starring Will Forte. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen that movie, please. MacGruber. It's, it's so funny. Um, but until then, what do we always say, fellas? Thank you to this week's sponsor, the Paris Office of Tourism. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> we have to legally say that. Can I keep you? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh god, no. make it stop. Can I keep you? Now's not the time for dick measuring, Stuart. <laughs>